Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit All right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as I am recording this. In between games, the Nuggets, they are going to play. Uh, When you listen to this, they'll be playing Thursday night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. We don't know who's going to play in that one. Uh, The results tonight, though, around the NBA, I think it's going to be possible, at least, that Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter potentially sit in that one. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen ultimately, but just going around the NBA real quick before we get into the bulk of this podcast, uh, all three of Portland, Dallas, and LA, uh, the Lakers, they won today at the bottom of the standings or the bottom of the playoff picture. So those don't really change anything. All it did was just kind of reduce the magic number for Portland and Dallas to push the Lakers into a play-in game. The Blazers and the Mavericks are currently tied at 41-29. and 29. Portland has the tiebreaker there. They're in fifth. The Lakers are at 43, or they're at 40 and 30, one game back of both, but they don't have the tiebreaker over either team, meaning that they'd have to make up two games. That means that the Lakers would have to go 2-0 and and the Blazers and Mavericks would both have to go 0-2 for the Lakers to jump up to the 5 seed. If just one of those teams, Portland or Dallas, wins one more game, then Denver, they're probably safe if they stay in the 4. That is a good sign for Denver fans, I think. That, to me, it looks like Denver, that if they stay in the 4 seed, they are going to avoid the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round. The Lakers are either going to be 6 or 7. In all likelihood, I don't see a scenario where Portland and Dallas lose all four of their final games between the two of them, and that is good. Denver, they deserve some credit. They deserve a little bit of a a reprieve in the first round, if you will, given the fact that Portland and Dallas, like they're not the strongest of opponents. They're still good. They're good enough to beat Denver, especially without Murray. But getting the Lakers in the first round while LeBron is just resting up, while Anthony Davis is getting rights, like those that would that would be pretty bad. That would be pretty it would be pretty annoying, in my opinion. Denver may not have to deal with that though. It looks like they're probably not going to have to deal with it. As long as Portland and or Dallas take care of business, and the Nuggets play Portland in the final game of the season. So it is at least possible that Denver could just ensure this, that they could kind of manage that no matter what. Utah lost today uh, to Portland. Phoenix, they play Portland uh, tonight, uh, Thursday night. So that's going to be interesting. 
I wonder how that changes things. Portland being on the second night of a back-to-back. Phoenix, they may want to try to win that one. Though, they if like even if they don't, I don't think San Antonio has much to play for at the bottom of the standings. Those are Phoenix's final two games. They play San Antonio twice. Which to me means that Phoenix, they may just decide to let Portland win this one tomorrow. And if that were the case, I think that Portland, they, they then lock up winning. They'll be over the Lakers guaranteed. Dallas, they play Toronto. And then they play at Minnesota in the final game. So they're probably going to pick up a win. I would guess that the Lakers are going to be in the play-in tournament. I think it's, it's moving that way very strongly. So Denver, Nuggets fans, pat yourself on the back. You did it. We won. On to other things, though. This podcast is going to be about uh, the the award races, some of the award races around the NBA. I think I'm going to have a guest on uh, for a Saturday or a Sunday episode coming up, maybe that, that window in between Denver's final game. I'm probably going to have one for MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, def- uh, Rookie of the Year, things like that. For now, though, I want to talk all NBA teams, all defense teams, and all rookie teams, and as they relate to the Denver Nuggets, because I think that's you're going to see some representation from Denver on at least two of those teams, and we'll talk about who they are. Should be fun, should be interesting to see. But I wanted to talk about that, and we'll get into all of that here now, uh, starting with the All-NBA teams in the first segment. This will probably be the longest one. Okay, let's just pull up the teams that I did. I spent most of the afternoon and evening doing these. Uh, I usually want to wait until the end, like a lot of people, to kind of fill out their stuff. There's a lot of information to take in on a lot of these teams and a lot of players that are very deserving. I had three locks in my all-NBA team and at the, at the top. It was the first team. Nikola Jokic as the All-NBA First Team Center, Steph Curry as the First Team All-NBA Guard, and Giannis Antetokounmpo as a First Team All-NBA Forward. Jokic is self-explanatory. I don't necessarily want to talk about that with, with you guys right now because we've talked about him enough. He's the MVP. He's been incredible. Nuggets fans, I think you would also agree that Steph Curry deserves First Team All-NBA. With the way that he's played, the way that he played against Denver specifically, I think Nuggets fans would definitely agree that he is a deserving candidate. The season that he's putting together is incredible, and the fact that he's taking that Warriors team, that's a good defensive team, but would be putrid offensively without him, the fact that he is elevating that team into the eighth seed in a play-in tournament, or in, in the Western Conference, I think is really, really impressive. They would be higher in the Eastern Conference. Excuse me. The two spots that I didn't know what I was going to do with are the the second guard spot and the second forward spot. Thought, okay, could I put Joel Embiid at forward because he's now eligible at forward? For whatever reason, the NBA has made him and Jokic both eligible at the forward spots. I'm not going to do that because I just don't think that it makes sense. 
I think that there are certain guys like Paul George or Luka Doncic or people in that kind of uh, guards guard forward mold that I think could you could argue for both positions. I don't think you can argue it that way with Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. So Embiid is going to be on my second team. I'll get to that in just a bit. I decided to go with Damian Lillard and Jimmy Butler. Damian Lillard over Luka Doncic at the first team spot. And the reason why I did that, it took a lot, and this is probably the hardest discussion, the most difficult discussion on the entire ballot. I think that those guys are both incredible. The Nuggets are probably going to face one of them in the first round of the playoffs, and they better pray that whoever they face just doesn't turn into that level of player for the entire time. But I think that what Dame consistently has to deal with in Portland, he's had to do it forever and ever. Luka is clearly talented. He is clearly incredible. He will have more and more opportunities to accumulate first-team appearances going forward. I think that he still struggles with staying focused and keeping the nose to the grindstone. I think that Damian Lillard, despite the fact that he's a worse defender, I think what he does on the offensive end for that Blazers team, just kind of leveraging everything for them, is really, really important. Nurkic looks like a different player. Cantor looks like a different player. Those guys, they aren't as good when Lillard is off the floor. You could say that same thing about Luka Doncic and, and guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. and, and uh, Dwight Powell and Kristaps Porzingis and guys like that. And I think there's at least a really good argument for that, that Dallas, they really turned their season around in the second half of the year. The Blazers have kind of been up and down. But I think that it's harder to do what Lillard has done with the Blazers, given all the drama that's sitting there, some of it's self-created. But I think what he consistently does is really, really important. Luka Doncic will get his, like, he'll get his stuff. Uh, a lot of the numbers that I pulled for this had Lillard over Doncic. If it were, like, I think people are kind of surprised by that at times, but Doncic, he isn't quite there in a lot like in some of the other metrics like uh win shares box plus minus uh he's he's over lillard and box plus minus but rpm he falls down a little bit uh per he's actually not as high as lillard which is surprising uh, epm they're both really good uh 538's uh, metric they're both really good it really is basically a tie and i'm giving the tie to lillard because of what he does pretty consistently in the clutch and how he comports himself there. But Doncic is excellent. Like it really is a tie. So I wouldn't uh, berate anybody for having it the other way. The other first team spot that I'm going to give, and I guess I could give Luca that other first team spot, but I'm going to give it to Jimmy Butler. The season that he's putting up, and, and we're in Colorado, and, and a lot of Nuggets fans, they probably haven't like fully understood and appreciated what Jimmy Butler has done for the Miami Heat, but they've now elevated themselves up to the five seed. They consistently win 
now, and especially when Jimmy Butler is on the floor, they're just a really, really good team. It's kind of surprising that he hasn't had as much notoriety. Uh, like he's he's always been kind of in that uh, below the fold conversation when talking about the best players in the NBA. You get to your Lucas and you get to your Dames, but Jimmy Butler isn't necessarily credited in the same vein as a lot of those those guys are. But he really is in that tier, and what he's done on the defensive end this year, I think, has elevated him over what a guy like Dame is doing or Luca. Those guys are both great, but I think Jimmy, he has an argument to have had a better season than either of those guys, which I think is important in this discussion. He's a great player, and like he just he's very polarizing because of how he acts a lot of the time, but he is very, very good. Okay, so first team. Curry, Lillard, Giannis, Butler, Jokic. Two guards, two forwards, a center. Second team, I'm going to have Luka in there, because I think that's like it's an important distinction there. I'm going to have Joel Embiid at the center spot. I spent a brief amount of time trying to figure out, okay, should I put Embiid or Gobert in that second team spot? Because Embiid has missed a lot of time. Gobert, he is a very, very big part of what the Utah Jazz do on both ends of the floor. What he's doing defensively is very important. I decided to go with Embiid. It felt a little bit weird putting him at third team center while also potentially putting him second in my MVP vote. In my MVP vote. So I'm putting him second team all, def- or all NBA at the center spot. Luka is the first guard on the second team. The other guard is CP3. What CP3 is doing and helping to do with the Phoenix Suns is incredible, and it should be credited as such. I think there are other pieces on Phoenix that deserve a lot of credit. Uh, DeAndre Ayton has taken a good leap forward on the defensive end. It's not perfect, but he's like in a really, really high-level conversation for what they're doing. Devin Booker, of course, co-star for what CP3 does all the time. Devin Booker averages a lot of points and takes a lot of pressure off of CP3. So there is there's a reason why he's not in that first team conversation, CP3. But what he has done overall is very incredible. It's very good. Uh, especially for just elevating that Phoenix team and, and helping them get that final push. They were already on the the ascension. If they had if they had any better point guard than Ricky Rubio last year, they probably would have made the playoffs. As it stands, they got CP3, and even while giving up Kelly Oubre, they've been just fine. They've been just fine. Now for the two forward spots, the entire forward discussion is kind of a mess, uh, just because like after Giannis and then I think Butler has really elevated himself, but not a lot of people like not everybody feels that way. Some people think it should be Kawhi. Some people think it should be LeBron. Some people think it should be Jason Tatum, Julius Randle, Kevin Durant. I went with Zion Williamson at forward because I think the Pelicans, they did him a real disservice this year 
by putting him in a situation where he really had to do so much. Brandon Ingram, not a great year from him. Just kind of was there. Uh, very much of an innings eater uh, from an M- a Major League Baseball perspective in terms of points, rebounds, assists. Not sure he was super valuable to what they did. Uh, Steven Adams being there as the center, uh, it didn't give Zion a lot of space. They didn't really surround him with a lot of the best talent. And having Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe as his two point guards, or the two guards in the backcourt, was a really big disservice as well. They should have been trying to space the floor for him, and they really didn't. Uh, But he still put up some incredible numbers, and I'm going to credit him for that. Like I just want to read off the numbers for him real quick, because they are incredible, and we we should know that just because, like, hey, we follow Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets, and those numbers are usually incredible. Zion is at 27 points per game in just his second season. He played 24 games in his first year, 61 this year. He nearly played 62, so he's probably going to miss 11 games because he's out with a a left finger fracture right now. But he played a lot of minutes, and he should get credit for that. He cracked the 2,000-minute threshold, has more two-point field goals than anybody in the NBA. He doesn't go beyond the three-point line a lot, but his efficiency, his ability, and, and just his ability to leverage his athleticism in such a way, it doesn't get enough credit despite the fact that he's on ESPN and and on all of those programs all the time. 27 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 61% from the field. Uh, A lot of his advanced metrics paint him in a very, very bright light. And so I looked at some of those. In the metrics that I had him at, he was basically around the 8th best or the 8th most valuable slash impactful player in the NBA this year. So I think that this is fair. I do. I have LeBron as the second team forward. He's a guy who needs no introduction, of course. The real question is whether he's played enough games. And I think in this year, uh, like this is the year to say that, hey, no matter what, like as long as you reach a certain threshold, then you should be fine. He's going to come back and play two more games, and so by the end of it, he'll play 45 out of 72. It's borderline. It's, it's right on the threshold of like whether he should be considered for an award like this. But this is about the best players. All NBA is about the best and most impactful players, and when he was on the floor, he was clearly one of the most impactful Um. So I don't feel bad about putting him in this spot. Maybe he gets a third team vote instead, uh, but I have him as as second team. So that's Doncic, CP3, Zion, LeBron, and Embiid in the second team. Third team, I have Kyrie, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Julius Randle, and Rudy Gobert. Gobert needs no, like, there's no discussion about him. He is the third best center in the NBA, in my opinion. And he had the possibly second best season, but I'm going to say third best season at center. So that's pretty much lock and stone. Uh, Bam Adebayo and Clint Capella were all, all, uh, they were definitely 
involved in this, Bam Adebayo more so. But I think that Gobert separated himself. Kyrie Irving is one that people are going to question, but he has already played, I think it's 52 games this year, and he's putting up like 27 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds on 50-40-90 shooting. So, he has earned it. Uh, The Nets, it would be weird not having a Brooklyn Net in there, and I think he's the guy that you can really make an argument for. Uh, Because Durant just hasn't played enough, Harden just hasn't played enough. Kyrie, he's played the most of all of them. And he's been around, and he's done some great things while he's on the floor. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they both get in for the Clippers. Good two-way players, obviously. Both of them have had really, really strong seasons. Uh, Paul George in particular, he's up to five assists per game, which is not something that he was doing before. That's a career high. Uh, That's a really good sign. Kawhi Leonard, same thing. He's still playmaking for others. Uh, He has done a great job of being a a considerate defender for all of that time. And that team is really, really good. They may not match up with Denver quite well, but they are a really, really good team against most NBA teams. And then Julius Randle gets the final vote. Uh, I could have put Paul George at forward and put on another guard. I decided to put Paul George at guard to make sure that I got Julius Randle in there. He kind of had a stinker against the Nuggets uh, when he came to town, but Julius Randle has had a really, really good season, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. The Knicks are going to make the playoffs, and I'm not sure you look at that team and that roster, that rotation, and think, oh man, this guy, definitely a great player, like, other than Randle. Nerlens Noel is their starting center. Uh, RJ Barrett is their second most played player. Alfred Payton is their starting point guard. Uh, Reggie Bullock is their starting small forward. Like, what Julius Randle has done with that group, I think is really, really impressive. So he deserves a lot of credit. He was another guy, kind of down the list of, of some of these guys, but he deserved it more than somebody like Tatum, who out with COVID a little bit, hard to blame him for that, but the, the Celtics, they just aren't the same caliber of team as the Knicks, which incredible to say, just, just incredible. Um, so that's the teams. First team, Curry, Lillard, Giannis, Butler, Jokic. Second team, Doncic, CP3, Zion, LeBron, and Embiid. Third team, Kyrie, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Julius Randle, Rudy Gobert. Other guys that just missed the cut, you could have the two Brooklyn guys, Harden and Durant. You could have Jason Tatum. You could have Bam Adebayo at center. Uh, Zach Levine deserves a mention for sure. Uh, the two guys that I think are going to get most people riled up are three guys. Bradley Beal, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker. Um, I didn't think that any of those guys had a particularly great advanced analytics case. All of them are pretty down. Uh, they're fine. Like, I think that if, if you're just doing it from an advanced analytics case, uh, then you're probably doing it wrong. But I, I looked at all of their resumes, and I looked at all the resumes of the guys that I put in there. And I don't necessarily feel bad about putting, putting Kyrie Irving in there and Paul George in there over Bradley Beal or Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell. 
I think that Kyrie and Paul George are better players. Kyrie really showed it. Uh, when When the Nets just came to town on Saturday, Kyrie was really, really impressive. And he did it in such a way where he was frustrated a little bit by Campazzo, and then just sort of shucked him. Like, it was a very good switch to flip for him. So, either way, those are my all-NBA teams. Uh, Long discussion here, but let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about uh, all defense. But first, big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card. Nate Diaz, Michael Chandler, guys like that. Uh, And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight. With 100 to 1 odds, one fighter will be walking away with the belt. Will you be making, making out with the cash? That is a good question. Just pick the main event fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right, bet $1 on select fighters, and if they win, you win $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA and fighting isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, so much more. Like you guys already know, you've already bet on on the Nuggets, of course. They just hit their over. Like, there's so much to talk about with regard to this Nuggets team and how they're doing so well with the betting markets. So keep that in mind. DraftKings has it for you. DraftKings, they are safe, secure, and reliable. So you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter this weekend. That's code MHS to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. pickaxe and roll thank you so much for tuning in just to make mention of it michael porter jr he was in the mix in that above all nba process for me for a while uh just kind of looking at the numbers and the analytics specifically that's kind of how i went when i went through my process i wanted to start by having a large list of players that were eligible for me and then whittling them down after the fact with some some nuance and some ability to kind of read the room a little bit. Michael Porter, he was about the 10th to 12th best forward season. So like anybody that played small forward or power forward, he was in about the 10th to 12th best guy this year, which I think is incredible. It's based off of what he's done, based off of how the Nuggets have have handled their season and reoriented around him and Jokic. It's been really, really impressive. So Keep that in mind, Nuggets fans. Uh, Michael Porter, he has a a bright, bright future. Uh, if they did, and if they did All Star voting right now, he would get a lot of All Star votes. He might not get in, but with another couple progressions here or there, 
think he could get in next year, so keep that in mind. All right, let's talk all defense. Uh, all defensive teams are really difficult because if you're an NBA fan and, and you follow analytics like me, you know that defense is one of the toughest things in the NBA to quantify. So often what I do when I am trying to measure defense, I'm, I'm going off of my past experience. I'm going off of what other people are telling me. I'm going off of what I've seen from these guys when they've come to Denver. It's a very, like, it's a very uh, difficult process to try to come up with an exact science for how to measure it, how to say who has been the best. But I have some teams here, and I'm going to list them off for you. We'll talk about them. First team, at center, Rudy Gobert. He's going to be my defensive player of the year. I don't think that needs any like debate. He's been awesome. He's been great. My first forward is going to be Draymond Green. Uh, what he has done with the Golden State Warriors, I think it, it, it's been talked about, but it hasn't really been fully credited. And what he has done is just incredible. So good on Draymond for, like, he didn't stop playing great defense, but there, there were definitely times where the effort and the focus level for him in the last year or two wasn't as good. So seeing him play at this level now defensively, just going all out, doing everything, it's been very impressive. The other forward I'll have is Giannis. Uh, Giannis is a great two-way player, and he gets a lot of credit, as he should, for propping up a, a Bucks defense that it does have some good defenders, but there are also some not great defenders in there too. Giannis is the guy that sort of ties everything together, makes it difficult for players on the when they're facing the Bucks defense to get valuable shots. Giannis can switch on to anybody, and though he he sometimes gives up some shots here or there, he usually is just a very solid defensive player all the time. And when you when you be that all the time for as many minutes as he's played. It's important. It's an important piece of this. At guard, I have Ben Simmons as my first one. I don't think that really needs an argument. Uh, he's probably going to finish second in Defensive Player of the Year voting. He's a great defender, and deservedly so. Like he, He's a guy who, when you place him on a guard, a wing, a big, he's versatile enough to switch on to anybody and really shut them down, and he's had a lot of great moments for that. There's a reason why the Sixers are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. He gets a lot of credit. Drew Holiday is going to be my other guy who's on the all-defense team. That is one where I'm not sure how much the data really backs it up, but I'm just going to listen to the great players and the great voices around the NBA. Drew Holiday, he, he has had some unfortunate luck from a shooting perspective this year. Uh, other guys shooting really well went against him. But he does a lot of great things, a lot of nuanced things that when he can lock in and really lock into a game plan, it seems like he's one of the most impactful on-ball defenders. Whether it's guarding on the perimeter, guarding in the post, he does a lot of great things. He's another guy that's very switchable. All of these guys, except for Gobert, are very switchable. Um, 
And Gobert still does it pretty well. He's just not going to, like, if you base your entire defense on that, that's not going to go well, but he can switch in a pinch for sure, too. Um, but yeah, so that's the first team defense. Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday, Draymond Green, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Rudy Gobert. I think that's a fair list. Like, it's, it's pretty good. A lot of great defenders on that list. Second team is where it gets kind of interesting. I'm will probably, maybe not ruffle some feathers here, but people will be surprised. First team, or second team guard, first one, Mikhail Bridges. He takes so much defensive pressure off of Devin Booker, off of Chris Paul. He's a guy who takes the tough assignments on the perimeter almost every single time. When you have a guy who can do that, when you have a guy who's that switchable, that long of arms, athletic, smart, somebody who can do that on a consistent basis, it helps teams with everything else. It allows Chris Paul to be a good off-ball helper. It allows Devin Booker to rest up a little bit, though he's not resting up as much. It puts DeAndre Ayton in a good position. It puts Jay Crowder in a good position. So Mikhail is the guy on the Suns that I think deserves the most credit for their defense being as good as it is. It's not perfect, and they don't have perfect personnel, but Mikhail Bridges is their best defender, in my opinion, and he deserves credit for that. Matisse Teibel is the other defender on this list, and that is a, that is a, I would say it's a controversial one because he isn't like, like he doesn't play a ton and he's not, he's not a guy with a big role on the offensive end of the floor. So he gets to focus up on defense a lot, but he is just so good at it. He's a guy that I've wanted on the Nuggets for so long because I think he would make Jokic's life so much easier. Gets his hands in passing lanes, uh, just racks up the blocks and the steals, the highlight plays, uh, creates defensive stops when they don't necessarily exist for other players. That is how I would describe him. He's a phenom on that end of the floor. And I think he deserves a defensive spot for that, specifically. At forward, Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard on my second team. Those guys are both great. They're dynamic veterans. Uh, Kawhi Leonard locks in all the time. Uh, Not every time, but almost all the time. Jimmy Butler, he takes their defense to another level. A lot of that is because the, the, the defenders behind him are not great. Like it's when it's not him on the floor, it's Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, uh, some of the other not great perimeter defenders on Miami. Butler sort of ties everything together there. And I think that makes a lot of sense uh, just from a, a forward, a versatility perspective. He can switch on to pretty much anybody and does a good job with it. And then the second team center is not going to be Joel Embiid, it's Clint Capella. The fact that Clint Capella is on here, I think it should say a lot, because in terms of defensive ratings, the Atlanta Hawks are not that high. Like, they're 21st in the NBA, so it's a little bit weird to have somebody like him on there. However, I think he deserves it. He's a guy who 
he always has like he's he's the guy who has to cover for Trey Young, who has to cover for uh Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh he had to cover for Rajon Rondo and now Lou Williams this year. Uh there's a lot of guys on Atlanta who are not good defenders. And when he's off the floor, it it can sometimes be even worse. So Clint Capella has turned himself into a great defender. And I think that deserves some credit. Uh, People will be quick to give it to Embiid. I feel a little bit weird about giving the Sixers three players on the all-defensive team. I think that Clint Capella deserves a nod here. Not sure if Joel Embiid has been the most impactful defender that he's been uh, in a while. He has good moments, don't get me wrong. And most of the time, he's very good. But he could be taken advantage of from a drop perspective. That when when he is dropping against a good guard or against a good forward that can pull up from distance, that is a a big weakness in the Sixers scheme. Capella has some of those similar weaknesses. He often plays drop as well, but he gets out there a little bit quicker. He gets out there just a little bit more. And he doesn't have the benefit of playing with Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybul. He's playing with Trey Young and Bogdan Bogdanovich. So, it is what it is. Uh, I'm going to credit Clint Capella for that. And so that's my second team. The second team is Mikhail Bridges, Matisse Thybul, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Clint Capella. Some honorable mentions here in the backcourt. Lugans Dort. Uh, he plays for OKC. And that has clearly kind of taken him out of the running, in my opinion. But he's still very good. Marcus Smart for the Celtics. He hasn't played that much, but he's still very good as well. And then Alex Caruso. He's like the only guy that I can consider crediting for the Lakers, despite the fact that they have the top defense in the NBA from a defensive rating perspective. I don't think you can give any award to Anthony Davis or LeBron James. And they stuck with it even after those guys went down. So something is happening there. I'm not really sure what. I think Caruso's the guy, but it could be Kentavious Caldwell Pope. It could be Dennis Schroeder. There's a lot of players who could be helping out there, but it really is just everybody. And Caruso, I think, is the, the face of everybody at this point. And then forwards, OG Ananobi, Paul George. Both of those guys, very good defensively. Not sure they've been quite first-team or second-team worthy. Center, Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, Miles Turner, Jakob Pertl. All four of those guys deserve some credit for sure. It's tough. Like It's just a really, really tough year for centers because you only get two of them, and it's Gobert and Capella this year. It could be any of those other four. Embiid, Bam, Miles Turner, Jakob Pertl. Real quick, before we take a break, um, I want to just kind of open up this question to the audience here. Who do we think is the next Denver Nugget to make an all-defensive team? I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but at some point the Nuggets are going to have a representative on the all-defensive team. Could it be Aaron Gordon? Could it be P.J. Dozier? Baku Campazzo? Somebody else? Maybe they're not on the roster quite yet? I'm not sure when it's going to happen. It'll happen at some point. 
Maybe it's Michael Porter Jr. Maybe he takes a leap and and just sort of locks in from a a mental perspective, and that could turn him into a very valuable piece. But I sort of doubt it. Um, It's going to be interesting to see whether anybody on this current roster can make it, because I think Aaron Gordon has the talent to make it, as does P.J. Dozier. Will Gordon stay healthy enough? Will he lock in enough? Will P.J. Dozier get enough opportunities? I don't know. But it would be fun to talk about a nugget for all defense. Like, I don't know if we've talked about one since Marcus Camby back in the day. And not sure he even really deserved it. He just kind of went after blocks, and it's not great. But either way, let's take one more break. When we come back, I'll break down all rookie teams and a special emergence for our own Faku Campazo. We'll be right back. All right, final segment, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you can, would you please rate, review, and subscribe five stars on iTunes? That would be great. Uh, This podcast has just blown up over the course of these past few weeks and getting more and more 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 views, more and more listens, and that is always a great sign. Um, Hoping that it keeps blowing up during the playoffs because the Nuggets, they're going to be a very interesting team. Going to have a lot to talk about with Michael Porter with Nikola Jokic, with whoever the Nuggets face. Should be a lot of fun. All rookie teams. Uh, This is the last one that we're going to do for today. Uh, I will probably try to get to more of these awards over the weekend, but for now, uh, let's just list off all rookie teams. The Nuggets, they've had a couple, they have a couple rookies this year. Uh, Vaku Kampazo, Zeke Naji, they had RJ Hampton. Um, He was obviously traded. They still have Bull Bull, who is classified as a rookie. Not a great season from Bull Bull. Uh, and frankly, not a, not a really stellar season from Zeke Naji either. Like, he showed some tools, but he was just very uninvolved for most of the time. He's barely played ever since, like, I think March 24th was the last time he was a part of the major rotation. And so it's been it's been a long time. He's been mostly a garbage time player ever since then, so... It's too bad. He showed a lot, and I hope he gets to play next year, but he's probably not uh, not going to see an all-rookie team, that's for sure. Uh, but let's talk about it. Rookie teams are tough because you want to, like, you don't want to give it all to analytics guys because so many rookies are out there to make mistakes, to learn, and to figure things out. So a lot of it has to be on feel. A lot of it has to be on who deserves it, who really should take the credit for it, and who was at the top of the race for Rookie of the Year for long enough. Um, So first team, I think that we've got three guys that are comfortably inked in to that Rookie of the Year, or the the all-rookie race on first team. Lamella Ball of the Charlotte Hornets, who we just saw, very talented player, up and down, of course, but does a lot of great things. Tyrese Halliburton of the Sacramento Kings, uh, he's killed Denver a couple times earlier in the year, so he is a guy who has been a very valuable piece of what they've done from an early time. Uh, he was always their sixth man, moved into a starting role when De'Aaron Fox went down, 
even before that, they were playing Fox, Halliburton, and Heald at the same time when Marvin Bagley was down. So Halliburton has been a very important piece for them. And as they tried to make a push for the playoffs, obviously it didn't work, but Halliburton has had a great season. And then Anthony Edwards. Uh, he has He's one of those stereotypical guys that from a, a stats perspective, from an analytics perspective, you look at his year and you think, ugh, man, looks like Andrew Wiggins is, is really what it comes down to. Because when you have a guy like that who is a high-volume scorer, a high-usage player, somebody who has the ball in their hands a lot and makes a lot of mistakes, it can be pretty ugly at times, and his stats kind of reflect that. So I wouldn't vote him for Rookie of the Year. I would give that to LaMelo Ball. But I do think that uh, Edwards deserves his shine, at least on the all-rookie team. He is going to be a star in the league as long as he continues to make the right decisions with the ball in his hands, develop some playmaking, develop some uh, advanced reads, and then just make his shots more efficiently because he is an inefficient player right now. And that is going to kind of track him, I think, a little bit for a long time uh, because he is one of the reasons why the Timberwolves have been as bad as they are. He's not the reason, he's definitely not the only reason, but if the Wolves are going to be better, he has to be better and more efficient too. Two more spots on the first team. Neither of them are going to go to Faku Composite, but he was strongly considered. Just know that. The first one's going to go to Jay Sean Tate of the Houston Rockets. He's shown a lot this year. He's an older rookie, the second oldest rookie behind Compazzo. But he has shown a lot from a, a defensive perspective, from a switchability perspective, and from a, a versatility uh, that I just, I just didn't really appreciate when he first came into the league. Uh, he is a built like a brick wall, great at grabbing offensive rebounds, great at playmaking for others with his size, with his athleticism, has good instincts. As long as the jump shot is working, he's going to be a really valuable player. He's built a lot like Draymond Green, but he's 6'4", 6'5", so he's even shorter. I wonder what his career is going to look like, but from a stats perspective, he certainly deserves it. Uh, he may have been the most valuable rookie this year uh, from like a just like an impact perspective, and I don't think that the rookie of the year has to be that, but if you just look at it purely analytics, like I think he has a case. Isaiah Stewart is the other guy that I'm putting on the first team. He's a guy the Nuggets, they considered heavily with their first round pick this past year. They decided to go with, actually, Isaiah Stewart was off the board, but they decided to go with Najee after Isaiah Stewart was gone. The Pistons were made fun of for getting as many bigs as they did. They got Grant, they got, a, a, they got Plumlee, of course, they drafted Isaiah Stewart. They grabbed a lot of bigs, especially a lot of centers. Like, they even had Jaleel Okafor at one point. But Isaiah Stewart has really risen to the, the top for them. He's a guy that's going to be very good for a while. Just very solid, has a good pick-and-pop jumper, uh, very switchable, good rebounder, very strong. His nickname is Beef Stew, which is 
nuts. That is great. Uh, so how, how, how can you not like a guy like that? Uh, but he's also played a lot. He has started some games, and he has been a guy that they've relied on pretty heavily. Second team. Uh, so, okay, so first team, it was Lamella Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, Jay Sean Tate, Isaiah Stewart. So I know not everybody really cares about this, but I know some people, they, they like award stuff, and they want to kind of get a quick perspective around the league. Second team, uh, Faku Campazzo kicks off the second team. Has had a really strong season for Denver after sort of, he took it slow at the beginning of the year. The Nuggets took it slow with him as well. Uh, but he has turned himself into a very valuable piece. Somebody who deserves to be in a rotation, somebody who can contribute to winning, and has made a lot of winning plays. He's been very consistent to that regard when he's received playing time. So I think he deserves a lot of credit. And, and Argentina fans, uh, you guys were right. You guys are very good. Like, he is a very good player, just needed some time. And I am glad that he was able to contribute there. We'll see how it holds up in the playoffs. Like, I think that's still a fair question. But I'm looking forward to it. I, I want to see it. Emmanuel Quigley, uh, Quickly of the New York, of the New York Knicks. Excuse me, I'm, I'm stuttering now. Emmanuel Quickly of the New York Knicks is next on the list. Good shooter from the outside. Somebody who contributed to a winner. Uh, that team, they played him pretty consistently. And he responded. He's a guy that was a second-round pick, and I think he has really turned in a, a very strong year. Uh, it's not perfect, but he's of these guys, he is one of the only ones that's actually playing rotation minutes on a playoff team, and that matters to me. 40% uh, three-point shooter, if I remember correctly, so that is also a big deal. Sadiq Bay is the next guy. Uh He's also on the Detroit Pistons, and he's been starting for them in a lot of games. He isn't as impactful as Isaiah Stewart, but he's kind of that guy that he's shown enough. He's shown enough tools as a versatile forward who's kind of more of a spot-up guy, off-screens guy, but he can go into the post. He can create a little bit for himself and others, and he's not helpless defensively. Still a decent defender, so he's shown enough as well. He's a high-minute guy for sure, and he's, he deserves credit for being able to kind of withstand that, because Detroit, especially when they don't have Jeremy Grant out there, uh, Sadiq Bey is sometimes their leading scorer, and, and he's, he's pretty efficient, does a pretty good job. Desmond Bain of the Memphis Grizzlies is another guy who is contributing to a playoff contender, uh, not really like full-on contention because they're a play-in team, but that Memphis team, they've been without Jaron Jackson a lot of the time. Justice Winslow's been really bad. Like, they have had to figure it out. And through it all, Desmond Bain has played pretty much every game. He's been very efficient as a jump shooter. Uh, spaces the floor for them. Moves the ball. Does a lot of good things that you want from a just elevation perspective. And he's definitely not a detractor from what they do. He can be plugged in and does a lot of good things. And that is all you can really ask for at this point. And finally, Jaden McDaniels on Minnesota, somebody who 
he's kind of he's been starting sometimes, he's been coming off the bench sometimes, but next to Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, he's a guy that he has shown enough tools and shown enough value in the process that I think it's okay to throw his second team not here. He may not be the most deserving, but he's the guy that I like the most of the rest of them. Um, Other guys were Xavier Tillman, Patrick Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony could have been one, but he he just wasn't efficient enough in my opinion. And Denny Avdia. uh, All five of those guys could have been in this spot, but I decided to give it to Jada McDaniels. He is a good kind of amalgamation of Jeremy Grant. Aaron Gordon, uh, some of the the off-ball, spot-up forward types who are long and athletic enough to help protect the rim and switch and do things like that, that could be really valuable, especially for them. So as the Wolves continue to develop, I hope that he continues to develop too. He's a guy that I didn't expect to be this good, but he has shown enough on a team like that. So Good sign for them. Good sign for him. That's pretty much it for for the all-rookie teams. Uh, I had some other notes here from a rookie perspective. Uh, Again, with Faku, I think you can make an argument with him for first team, but I'm always going to, like, I think it was a tie, personally. And though I could give it to Faku, I want to give the tie to the kids because, like, it's got to be harder for a 20-year-old than a 29-year-old, despite the fact that Faku is uh, 5'9", coming from a different league. Like, he's still, this is his first year, so give him credit for sure, but he is a a player who has been great abroad and has been great for a long time, so he's more established, I think, than a lot of these guys, a lot of these kids. So I think that that's fine. It's uh, Nuggets fans, I, I don't think you can hate me for that, right? I want to see Zeke Naji next year. I think that that is somebody who Nuggets fans wanted to see. We haven't really seen a lot of him. Maybe we'll see him over these final three games, but it doesn't look like he's going to be in the playoff rotation. That's okay. He wasn't like, it was never an expectation for him to play immediately. And the fact that he showed some good things earlier in the year, it's a good sign. Good sign for next year. Denver can definitely take that into consideration and should take that into consideration when they go into their offseason, try to make the money work. Bull Bull, I'm I'm concerned about him. Like I, I do think that I think that there is a a large group of Nuggets fans that want to see him because they think that he's Michael Porter Jr. from a talent perspective. I don't think that he is. I think that he he can make some off the dribble jumpers, and at seven two, it looks really impressive. But even Michael Porter had some more established fundamentals than Bull Bull does, and it's it's very difficult. I want to see him get an opportunity too, but he has to earn it. Like he has to do all the right things. Like he has to be able to grab an offensive rebound, for instance. Like he hasn't done that yet this year. So I'm hoping that he can figure it out. I'm hoping that the Nuggets can can make good on these rookies that are both very young, Zeke Naji and Bull Bull, and could contribute in the future. Paul Millsap is 36. Jamichael Green, I'm pretty sure, is 32 or 33. Uh, so those guys are they're getting up there in age. 
and having an injection of youth and energy and athleticism, it could really help the Nuggets going forward. But those two young guys, they have to earn it. And they have to show that they are ready for that jump. So this offseason will be a really big deal for them. Not making an all-rookie team doesn't necessarily mean that your career is over. That is for certain. Uh, I am certainly hoping that those guys take it personally and work their tails off. Because if they can get back in the gym, if they can get back with the Nuggets next year, it would be really, really helpful for, for the Nuggets franchise if they were playable next season. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. We will be back tomorrow, breaking down whatever the hell happens in this Minnesota Timberwolves game. Uh, the Nuggets are going to play Minnesota, and then they will play Detroit on a back-to-back on Friday night. Uh, so we're going to learn a lot about where Denver is going to end up in the standings. Um, if they win tomorrow and the Clippers lose, then Denver will be in the three seed. It may not be an issue as long as Dallas and and, uh, and Portland win. But if they both lose, things could get a little bit hairy going forward. We'll talk about it soon. Uh, that'll do it for this particular episode. If you have any comments on my all-rookie, all-NBA, all-defense teams, drop them down below. But for now... We'll talk to you guys very soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.